Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. We are recording during that dead week. Some might call it a gratefully dead week between the holidays. You might ask, hey, why shouldn't the news junkies take some time off? If the morning shows are full of happy talk, marked as previously recorded, well, many of us are off. But do we really know something isn't going to happen? Someone has to mind the newsroom, so here we are. The news-busting pickings are slim, but that probably does make for a more placid 12 days of Christmas for the average politically-minded American. Uh, hey, before I forget, because I forget things a lot, nonprofits love taking your end-of-year donations for the old tax deduction. You can slide in and give us some eggnog money at mrc.org slash donate. I didn't have eggnog, but I tried what they call Puerto Rican eggnog, coquito, over Christmas. No eggs in it, but that cream of coconut makes it pretty thick. Seems like eggnog. I liked it. All right, so back to business. Let's start with Mr. Chris Matthews and uh, what you could call the Green Acres of Terrorism. Yes, the other day we were, uh, well, it was in the old office in Reston. Dan Schneider walks in and says, let's sing the Green Acres song. I don't know how that came up, but the disturbing part was I knew the pretty much the whole thing. Green Acres is the place to be all the way through, you know, Ava Gabor. I just adore a penthouse view. Anyway, Chris Matthews was talking about the election. So first he's going on this thing about how after the Dobbs decision, abortion's going to be part of a freedom agenda. You know, Chris Matthews, a devout Catholic, just like the Bidens. Uh, and then he went on this tear about how there's rural rage out there, which makes my boy Ben and I think about the old video game. Primal rage, rural rage, fight. Uh, but somehow, it's not just that uh, rural Americans have a deep-seated anger toward liberal elites. Then, somehow... We're going to compare that to terrorists in Afghanistan and Iraq. Yes, there's rural rage out there in the Dakotas and Minnesota. You know, those rich brats at Saturday Night Live are making fun of our champion, Mr. Donald, again. You know, the Weekend Update anchor who married that movie star, Scarlett O'Johansson or whatever her name is. There'd be some truth to that. Christian Toto, uh, we cross-posted at Newsbusters about how Saturday Night Live is incapable of mining the rich vein of humor that would be the life of Hunter Biden. They had some skit where Pete Davidson played Hunter Biden, but sort of as a cool kid, cooler than the Trumps. All the mockery on NBC goes one way. It's a one-way street. But Chris Matthews just had to take that whole line too far. But I tell you, it's very tough because 
People that didn't go to college have a pretty good rage on their hands. They had, and that's a, what you really want in an election is a rage. It can be black rage or white rage or rural rage. In this case, it's rural rage. They are so angry at the liberal establishment, the coastal elite. They look at people on television, they say, oh, those people on Saturday Night Live, those snarling rich kids, I know who they are. They, they're all trust funders. They don't need, they don't have to worry about us. And, and the regular guy in the country goes, there they are snarling and making fun of us again. And every time we make fun of Trump, we're making fun of them. That's the weird, uh, it's a weird thing. But in a way, it's like fighting terrorism. I mean, you know, we think we just put the army in or Israel just puts the IDF and they're going to solve the problem. It never solves the problem because you enrage people. And we did it with Afghanistan and we did it with Iraq. We enraged the enemy to the point where they're more fiery than ever and they hate us more than ever. Armies don't make peace. So have we really missed Chris Matthews? Sounds like the same guy. Hair's just a little whiter. He looks a little older, but pretty much the same guy. Now, I don't think the farmers and the ranchers and the small-town bankers and barbers are going to really appreciate being lumped in with Islamic State and the Taliban. These people are the austere religious leaders of the MAGA churches, apparently. We'll come back to that in a minute. Now, all of us who thought Alec Baldwin's impression of Trump was dreadful and unfunny and uh, dreadfully unfunny... Now imagine if we tried to do Baldwin on Baldwin. You know, if we tried to be just as like mean-spirited. Alex got a gun. Oh yes, Alex got a gun. Whole movies come undone. From looking straight at the sun, what did this daddy do? Anyway, <laughs> not the best impressionist. This new guy that does Trump, way better than Alec Baldwin. The Sunday shows did have some interesting material on Christmas Eve. Robert Costa on Face the Nation was bringing all his anonymous sources to the table. Margaret Brennan asked what special counsel Jack Smith's office was thinking. Oh, you know, they always told us that Mueller's, Mueller never leaked. Well, somebody was leaking like a sieve inside Mueller's office. They'd just say it wasn't Mueller because... Mueller was in the back going, bee, 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 bee. it was Weissman. Andrew Weissman was leaking to everybody. Anyway, this must be the leak to Robert Costa. Oh, Jack Smith, he's gone so much deeper than Liz Cheney in the January 6th committee. He has a sprawling case against Donald Trump. Ooh, it's fearsome. Uh, it sounds like Mueller hype 2.0. Just listen. Based on our reporting at CBS News, the special counsel has phone records. He has memos and diary entries from key witnesses like former Vice President Mike Pence, key eyewitness testimony from people who are inside the Oval Office with Trump. And we got a bit of a taste of this with the January 6th committee in recent years, but they had something in the special counsel's office the January 6th committee never had, which is subpoena power to really go deep with witnesses and not just get public testimony and some depositions. They've gone deep. And I've talked to people who've participated in this investigation as lawyers, sometimes even as witnesses. And it's evident to me, based on my conversations with sources, that Jack Smith has a sprawling case mm -hmm. against former President Donald Trump. I mean, we had years of them saying, Mueller, the walls were closing in, the walls were closing in. Then the Mueller report came out and it said, not so much. This is where you can look at this with Trump and say, 
it really doesn't matter how it turns out. It seems like the entire point is to always have dreadfully dark clouds following Trump around. You can remember all those lurid covers of Time magazine where Trump's face was melting or he was drowning. They were always wishing him, you know, the worst kind of self-destruction. Uh, also on the show, Costa was uh, uh, talking up how there could just be a disaster for the GOP. He said, talking to my top Republican sources for months, I've been trying to get an answer to the question of what happens if Trump's convicted in a federal trial or in Georgia, but more likely in a federal trial before the convention. Is there a plan B? Officials and strategists say no. They love that idea. They're like, yes, 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 yes. This is what we want. Trump in jail can't come to the debate with Biden. Biden gets to stay in the basement because he's in jail. You know, they love the idea that what are the Republicans going to do? Now, obviously, Robert Costa's is not st sitting there in the CBS studio going, Joe Biden, Joe Biden won't make it. Joe Biden's got Hunter Biden trials to get through. There's no speculation about that. Then there's Pierre Thomas. ABC's This Week, he was uh, handed the guest hosting duties on the Stephanopoulos show, and he acted just like a Stephanopoulos, just like a White House press secretary, in this case, a Justice Department press secretary. His guest was the Deputy Attorney General, Lisa Monaco, who he told you was a very powerful person. And when he talked about how this whole notion that the Biden Justice Department is politicized, what? Who's saying that? That's toxic. <laughs> yes, the most unintentionally hilarious outburst of objectivity in our times is assuming, well, the Biden Justice Department stuffed with nonpartisan integrity. You know, who needs to look at the 91 indictments against Trump? Not all of them federal. They they wanted to get to 91. They just didn't quite get there. So here's a clip of Thomas touting or asking Lisa Monaco to say, tell us on behalf of DOJ just how much integrity you have. I want to talk about the toxic environment here in Washington. Mm -hmm. You have Republicans who will say, that the Justice Department is full of political operatives who are working to help President Biden and hurt President Trump. And they'll even say that the FBI should be defunded. Uh, what's your reaction to that kind of language? And, and what do you say on behalf of DOJ? Those claims bear no resemblance to the Justice Department that I know. The Justice Department that I know is filled with dedicated men and women, investigators, lawyers, prosecutors, analysts, professional staff who get up every day, Pierre, they get up every day without regard to who's in the White House or who's in Congress. It really bothers me when uh, I hear those claims because um, it does a disservice to the men and women of the Justice Department. It contributes to the toxicity um, that you're speaking about thomas also asked monaco to deny the obvious can you assure the american public that special counsels jack smith 
and David Weiss and Robert Herr are operating without regard to anything but the facts and the law? Huh? Now, remember, David Weiss and Robert Herr are both on Biden cases, so they're rarely discussed. We had a little boomlet with David Weiss when he actually indicted Hunter Biden. Now he's back to being who? And then there's Robert Herr. You can go around, you could go around with a mic. My boy Ben and I could take a camera out in a parking lot anywhere around here and say, who is Robert Herr? And nobody would have a clue. They might know Ben Herr, but not Robert Herr. Robert Herr is investigating the Biden classified documents in the garage. And, uh, you know, we got leaks. The only leaks out of Robert Herr's shop is, yeah, he's probably not going to prosecute anybody. He does not have a sprawling case. Look out. Uh, so, yes. So here we have Jack Smith, who's going to get Trump in jail. And we have Robert Herr, who's going to do nothing against the Bidens. And then we have David Weiss, who sat on the Hunter Biden case for like five years tried to make a lame plea deal, and the judge was like, what? And then he was like, okay, fine. Name me a special counsel and indict the guy. It's not like he wanted to. He spent years and years trying not to. But there again, Lisa Monaco is saying, oh, yes, I can I can assure the public all our special counsels are top-notch, very objective. And then he does it again, Pierre Thomas, just for the record. So the public can hear it from a top official at DOJ. Has President Biden ever raised a classified documents investigation? The probe of Hunter Biden with you or the AG tried to influence you? Has he ever done that in regard to President Trump? No. And the attorney general's been exceptionally clear on this point, she said. And that was the end of the interview. Never mind that, of course, Merrick Garland can read this report in the New York Times Quote, Mr. Biden confided to his inner circle that he believed former President Donald Trump was a threat to democracy and should be prosecuted. See, this is the whole point. Is it You're asking a clever, lawyerly question. Has Biden ever raised his investigations or Trump's investigations with you? Oh, no, he hasn't done it with me. Kamala did, or the chief of staff did, or his top strategist did. Or who knows, Kareem Jean-Pierre did. I mean, it, it's when you say, did the president do it, you're leaving out everybody else in the Biden White House could who could do it on his behalf. Uh, Jill Biden could do it. You know, I mean, it, it's what Pierre Thomas is doing here is just setting this woman up to say, reassure the public that you're completely above board. Thomas then turned to Senator Lindsey Graham sort of to respond to the Monaco interview. He asked about parts of it. You know, he started, Thomas started with Monaco about domestic threats or, you know, post uh, October 7 attacks inside the United States. And then he asked about the border. So he asked Graham about those, but he never asked Lindsey Graham about the questions about the integrity of the Justice Department in the Biden investigation. Then after that on the show, Pierre Thomas interviewed Preet Bharara, the former U.S. attorney under Obama, who was dismissed by Trump, and former Trump DOJ spokeswoman Sarah Isger. Now, the way he introduced him was funny because he said, former U.S. attorney Preet Bharara and former Trump spokeswoman 
Sarah Isger. So she was tagged as a partisan presidential servant, and Preet Bharara, who's appointed by Obama, was presented as just a U.S. attorney. This this happens all the time. Uh, now, of course, Barrara and Isger and Thomas discussed Trump's indictments, but once again, Thomas never raised the Biden investigations. Then came ABC's pundit panel for more talk of Trump outrages. Alex Burns, the reporter, said Trump's a maniac. Ramesh Panura was there representing the New Republic. Oh, I'm sorry, National Review. You know, Ramesh goes on these shows, and everything he says is meant to please ABC News. He gets upset with me when I point this out, and that is simply, if you are representing a conservative magazine or media outlet and you're invited onto a liberal media show, could you try being just the slightest bit contrary? Could you say perhaps... Biden's too old. Biden hasn't done a good job. He gave this answer about the Biden economy like, oh, I think it's going to turn around. Once again, ABC's pundit panel, they never said a thing about the Biden scandals. It's got this like this perfect thing after the Monaco uh, interview. Oh, well, Monaco said everything's just fine and nobody's allowed to disturb it. So the entire program was a Christmas Eve gift to the Bidens. Over on Meet the Press, Kristen Welker was mostly talking to, to women. That was sort of the way it was promoted in the promos. He's talking to the uh, track star Allison Felix and so on. But they did manage to squeeze in Tim Alberta. Yes, here again, one of many softball book tour interviews with Tim Alberta of the Trump Deranged Magazine, The Atlantic. Once again, Tim is recounting the story of all the evangelical Trumpers who ruined his father's funeral by suggesting he was a terrible Christian by opposing Trump. Now, you can look askance at the weird spin that Trump is the Lord working in mysterious ways, that he's some kind of flawed King David figure. But there's also the notion that conservative Christians aren't crazy to feel embattled in today's culture. From same-sex marriage to twerking drag queen performances for children, graphically sexual books in school libraries, and what they call gender-affirming care for 12-year-olds. I mean, there are plenty of reasons for Christians in today's culture to feel embattled. But somehow we don't have a really great sense of why people who went to church with Tim Alberta might be upset at the way the world is headed. Clip. Whoa, whoa, stop. <laughs> this is where Meet the Press needs a laugh track. I know it doesn't mean to be a comedy show. Here's Alberta saying, I'm objectively critical. He's no more objective than anyone else at The Atlantic or at Politico. Fair? He thinks his criticism is fair. I mean, you got. You, you, I mean, I suppose you don't want to say I'm dedicated to unfair criticism. Now, Welker is talking to him all about how he expected compassion at the funeral of his dad, and she's showing on screen Alberta's photographs of him and his dad over the years. Here's little Timmy. 
Here he is with his dad as an adult, and they're building up the sympathy. But nowhere in these interviews do they seem to get to where people in Alberta's church who grew up with him could feel betrayed by who he's become and what he does. He's running around claiming all of this is only strength in his Christian faith, and he's for the unity in the church and all that. Is he really? Is is what he's doing strike you as unifying Christianity? But, you know, on all of these interviews from PBS and NPR to MSNBC with Stephanie Rule to NBC, he's perceived as the guy doing this heroic anti-Trump work. He's always the hero of this narrative. And he's never the one who's siding with people who would sue you for refusing to bake a cake or so on. Who want to squish religious liberty like a grape making some wine. Let's talk about your father, because you open your book recalling your experience at your father's funeral. You were understandably expecting compassion from the church community with whom you had grown up. A lot of these people knew you as a kid. They watched you grow up, and yet you experienced something very different, in part because your coverage of then-candidate Trump. What was that experience like? Yeah, so you know, I've been I've been pretty critical of Donald Trump. Um, I think you know, objectively uh, critical and fair in my coverage, but critical nonetheless. So here he goes. He gets to recount the whole funeral debate again on his terms, as he did on tax-funded PBS and tax-funded NPR and so on. Yeah, when it came time to bury my father at the church where I'd grown up and where he'd served as the pastor for more than 25 years, there were some people who saw that occasion uh, as appropriate to just have it out with me, to litigate their uh, differences with me over Trump, over Trumpism, over politics in general. now, I want to be clear, there were lots of people there who, who mourned with me and cried with me and, and, and who treated me like the grieving son that I was. But there were some of these folks who didn't see a grieving son. Mm. They saw a vulnerable adversary in that moment, someone who was on the other side. And, um, and that's heartbreaking. It's not just heartbreaking because, you know, it, it was me and it was my dad's funeral. It's heartbreaking because this happened inside a sanctuary, right? Sanctuary means set apart. It is a place set apart for the purpose of believers to come together and to worship and and be one body in Christ. And, And this was not that. It should be said, funerals should be for unifying worship and mourning. I wouldn't have wanted to have a political fight with somebody at my dad's funeral. But when we're talking about heroic narratives, let's note Alberta can hit below the belt. On this book tour on CNN, he was talking about, if you look at the language Trump uses in front of explicitly evangelical audiences, talking about giving power back to Christianity. You don't have to look far to see in Ukraine, Russia's invasion was loaded with this sort of religious identitarian rhetoric, and Trump in some ways is borrowing from that same playbook. What is this guy trying to do? Copy Chris Matthews? Somehow anyone I disagree with matches a foreign dictator or a terrorist army. You know, I would like to have a body cam to see what really happened at this funeral. As many times as Tim Alberta has told this story. And I'm not saying he's lying. I just like some more context. 
And maybe there are some people who are a little unglued. But, you know, I think we need to realize that Tim Alberta can be a jerk. Um, but, you know, liberal media people love being jerks to Trump. That's what they love to do. And you're a hero when you're a jerk. Now, speaking of weird junk going on over the holidays, did you see this clip of Father Edward Beck on CNN? Father Beck, Chris Cuomo's favorite priest. Used to have him on his CNN show all the time. This was somehow the story of Hamas Christ. <laughs> we want to merge together Christians and terrorists, and here we go. Father Beck says, The story of Christmas is about a Palestinian Jew born into an occupied country having to flee as refugees into Egypt. Now, isn't that cute? How are we getting the idea that Palestine was a thing at the time of Christ? He clearly was a Jew. The land was occupied by the Romans. They did have to flee as refugees because Herod wanted to kill all the babies. But to try to, to, to bring that up to date to now, somehow to, to provide sort of like, let's us as a Catholic priest try to talk up Palestinian Muslims who want to kill the infidel? Hello? Then there was Sunday Today. I caught this uh, as it was on the air. John Lemire. Now, my wife's noticing things like, is he sitting at a fireplace because his upper lip is sweating? Wait, his chin also seems to be glistening. How hot is this guy? Well, I was listening to what he said. Now, obviously, it it's pretty standard Morning Joe sort of material because here he is saying, uh, they're talking about Biden. On the Democrat side, a few straight candidates have announced they'll jump in. But it's going to be a coronation. I mean, this is the way they do it. There is no primary. And they're doing the same thing basically with the Republicans. Trump's ahead by 50. Why doesn't everybody get out? This is the match we want. Trump versus Biden. And this is where you say, I thought you guys were for democracy. There hasn't been a single primary. They're obviously, they don't have any interest in there being a Democrat debate of any kind. It will be interesting if it's Trump versus Biden to see how many debates these people want, Trump versus Biden. They'll try to figure out a way that it doesn't happen. And then, of course, uh, Lemire says, oh, yeah, Hunter's been indicted, but there's no evidence put forth that the president himself has committed any wrongdoing. It's like the disclaimer that's always got to be added. You know, it's like one of those ads for prescriptions where they said, this medicine, if taken wrong, could kill you or whatever. I mean, they, they always have to say, the Hunter Biden thing has nothing to do with Joe Biden, except he's his dad. And Hunter Biden used his dad to make millions of dollars for cracking hookers. I mean, <laughs> they really, really stick to this whole notion uh, that there's no connection between Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. <sighs> So it is that time of year at the end of year where Jeff Dickens has rounded up all the worst quotes of the year and loaded them up day after day for angry memories. It's not so much thanks for the memories. Do you really want to remember all this nuttiness? But yeah, some of it's maybe amusing. It's like, oh, remember when Don Lemon had a job? Uh, <laughs> uh, there's more year-end stuff coming. Nick Fondacaro's reviewing the year on The View, as we discussed in the last podcast. Alex Christie 
has uh, put together the pukiest material from late night so-called comedy. And Curtis Houck has the year's uh, briefing room hot takes. And uh, Curtis also has made a listing of our hottest newsbuster stories of the year. So when you get some free time from your holiday carousing and those uh, Scrabble contests, you got to come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening and Happy New Year.